guys, Princess here, and welcome to season four of By Pumpkin. That's right, it's season four of By Pumpkin. We are here. We have made it through three other series, and we're on to our fourth. Who knew? Who motherfucking knew that we'd be here? Who knew? I didn't. I certainly didn't. I was just like, I want to do a podcast where I can talk about um, old shows that I'm still watching. <laughs> like, I was watching Leah Remini's old reality TV show. Like, I was really watching old shit. And I was like, I should do something with this. And I didn't know that, like, gosh, we're coming up on a year. I didn't know that in a year I, I would still be doing this. I don't I mean, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. I'm just starting shit and trying and seeing where things go. I don't fucking know. But here we are. And it's time to talk about the girls next door. Listen, it has been a week, okay? Um, it has been, it was my birthday week. Thank you to everyone who wished me a happy birthday. Wonderful. Thank you for everyone who gave me a review. If you haven't given me a review yet, please do. It's okay if it's just five stars and says happy birthday, princess. <laughs> My husband's birthday is Tuesday and I'm in preparation for that. I'm already giving him his gifts. He's spoiled. Um, I allowed him to look at me for a long periods of time. <laughs> It sounds like bullshit unless you know what my husband is like. Guys, it is, this is, sounds like a flex. <laughs> it's not. It's really hard to live in a house where everyone's obsessed with you. <laughs> I'm laughing because who says shit like that? But it's true. I, everybody wants to talk to me. Everyone wants to be around me. And even my husband will be like, would you guys leave mommy alone? She needs some alone time. And he'll close the door and then come in. And be like, woof, thank God we got away from them. And I'm like, no, you too. Get away. <laughs> this morning, he cuddled me awake. Mm -hmm. And then he did something off my to-do list, which, you know, acts of service is my love language. So <sighs> scratching things off my to-do list will get me to love you. Um, the cuddling, not so much. And then he made me a large breakfast, and food is the way to my heart. Food. All you really got to do is feed me, and I'm yours. And I'm um, pretty sure he's going to murder me next. He's just been too nice. So if I'm dead, he did it. Don't let him get away with it, guys. Turn him in. <laughs> no, I wouldn't want him to get away with it. I will want justice done. <laughs> so it's been a week. I also... This week, I appeared on Liz Bentley's um, Patreon podcast, Liz Explains It All. I appeared on there for Girls Incarcerated. If I do say so myself, it was a good episode. I listened back. We recorded a couple of weeks ago. I don't remember what the fuck I said. So I listened back and I was like, oh, good, good, good. I stand by all this. <laughs> you know, I talk a lot. I don't even listen to myself. So it's quite possible that you have me on tape saying something. I'd be like, What? Whoa, why would I say that? <laughs> but I listened and it was good. So you guys go listen to that. I did a over two and a half hour episode today on, um, fuck, what was I even talking about? True Life, I'm Getting Married To. And honestly, 
This is for my Patreon supporters. Um, the $5 Patreon supporters get this episode because I'm doing a limited series on true life. I'm doing a few episodes, um, eight in total, and I've done two so far. Um, honestly, you know how I feel about weddings and the necessity to get married, get married. So I thought I was going to have like 10 minutes on it and two and a half hours of me talking about it. Even I don't fucking understand it. I just look up and I'm like, damn, it was been a long time. So <laughs> if you are a Patreon supporter, check your feed. You have already gotten this episode. If you're not a Patreon supporter, think about becoming a supporter. I have two tiers. A dollar a month is really just to help me keep the lights on and you get a monthly bonus episode. And if you pay $5 a month, you get weekly bonus episodes that you as a group get to decide which series I do after you know, every time I do a new series and my Patreon supporters, um, chose a true life retrospective. You know, I've been saying retrospective a lot. Not sure I'm using that word correctly. I should probably stop. But, (laughs) um, so we've been having fun. We did true life. I'm supporting my family. We got to talk a lot about poverty, true life. I'm getting married too. I got to, I got to talk a lot about relationships, weddings, and marriages. And, Um, yeah, it was pretty good. And I also recently did a Kate plus eight episode. Um, I did the two part, I did two episodes on her RV trip, which was in two parts. And I definitively prove that Kate Gosling was sleeping with her bodyguard or her security guard. I definitively proved it. I did it. I was Jack McCoy up in this bitch. I was like, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, I had the evidence. I gave it to them. It's been proven. Okay. And I want to say something. (laughs) I was like screaming into the mic on, on that one. I don't care that she was sleeping with her, with her security guard. I care. (laughs) I cared about proving that it was true and that she's been lying. I don't care. I'd love to write some fan fiction about where their relationship started. I'm, I'm sure it was. Sexy. I don't know. She was still, she had that like duck haircut. I don't know if it was sexy, but it was certainly interesting. I'd love to write some fan fiction. It would, it would borrow a lot from the bodyguard, the movie. (laughs) Just imagine the movie, but like Kate Gosling's head on Whitney Houston's body. Okay. Just, Just imagine that. Yeah. 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 But I proved it. I proved it. And if you are either a dollar patron or a $5 patron, you got to hear that, okay? So, well, I talked about my week. I plugged the Patreon. Guys, make sure you can follow me at OK Then Princess on Instagram and Twitter. You can follow me at Buy Pumpkin Podcast on Instagram and Twitter. Um, yeah, I think, I've, I think I've said everything, right? Let's talk about the girls next door. Now, just a little housekeeping here. First things first, I want to talk about, there are 15 episodes in the first season, which is unusual for me. A lot of times when I'm doing these episodes, there's only 11 or 10 episodes in the first season because who knows, that's all they order. Who knows if it was going to work, but apparently they ordered, they started uh, Girls Next Door and then they ordered more um, episodes. I've also read both of Holly Madison's books. The first one was better than the second one because the first one is about the mansion and the second one's about her life in Vegas. And she doesn't even get to the part where she gets, 
meets her husband and gets married and stuff. She didn't even get to that fucking part. So, but I listened, I said I read. I listened to the audiobooks for both of those books and I read Kendra Wilkinson's book, which took about 20 minutes. <laughs> no, it didn't. It took longer than that, but she had a very short book. And her book focused, like, leaving the mansion and having, and getting married to Hank Basket and um, having little Hank are, are the end of her book, is the end of her book. So her book focuses more on growing up and, like, uh, I mean, Kendra could have definitely been on Maury Povich's I'm a bad kid and I don't care. I mean, her and Bad Baby could have been on the same fucking stage, okay? So, <laughs> is it Bad Baby or Bad Barbie? I don't know. I don't support Bad Baby, the Bad Baby industrial complex. I don't do that. So, but I'm not sure which one it is. I think she's in rehab right now. I think, isn't she like 18? I mean, people go to rehab as teenagers all the time. I, I shouldn't be surprised by that, but, well, anyway. Her, Kendra could have been on that same fucking stage the way the, the story she tells. Uh, she's She's been through it. So I wanted to read Holly's books. I, I mean, I've, I've listened to Holly's book before. Not the second one, but the first one. And I mean, Holly is a definition of a Mary Sue. A Mary Sue is someone, um, it's a trope where in, I guess, literature, but it's, it can be, I think it can be in movies and stuff. It's a trope in stories where someone is naive and innocent all the time. And if someone, if you call it like, in regular life, if you call someone a Mary Sue, what you're saying is that they're the victim all the time and they never did anything wrong. And it's a sarcastic thing, like, you know? But she's a Mary Sue. She basically tells that story like she didn't, she never planned anything. She didn't know what she was doing. And she's just a naive little girl. And she's just like, what, who me? Um, and we'll talk a lot about the stuff from her book. I think her book is interesting to read because I believe the story she tells about the mansion, about living in the mansion, being with Hef. Um, I believe all those things. They sound like, so here's the deal. When I get like conflicting stories about an event or a person, I, much like Judge Judy, I if it doesn't make sense, it ain't the fucking truth. So when I was talking, you know, when I was talking a lot about Bobby Brown and Whitney Houston and Robin, um, I've, I've listened to, I forget her last name, Robin's book. Um, I've listened to Bobby Brown's book to my detriment. Don't do it guys. He treats every comma like a period. So he would say, as we were laying on the bed, we decided like he pauses a lot. He is, and I'm going to give Bobby Brown credit because Bobby Brown has been supporting his family since he was 15 fucking years old. He's been on the road since he was 15 years old. But Bobby Brown is not a good reader and should not have been reading that audiobook. Um, I got through it on the strength of being fucking nosy. That's how I got through it. I wanted to tea. <laughs> Otherwise, I would have put that shit down. But um, like listening to Whitney's family side, Bobby Brown's side, and Robin's side, there's all these different versions of things. And I found that like, after you sift through it, only a little bit makes sense. The rest sounds fantastical. Like when Bobby Brown claims that he never cheated on Whitney Houston, but yes, you did because you, your son, Bobby Jr. was conceived 
while you were engaged to Whitney Houston. So this is impossible to be true, Bobby. I don't know why you're acting like that. And you've told the story of how it happened. So it's patently false that you never cheated on Whitney Houston. You've, I, I believe you cheated on her many, 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 many more times, but it is false that you, like, here's the evidence right here. Same thing, like, I would listen to something Robin would tell and then Bobby and, like, anyway, that's the same way I feel about the story of the girls next door at the mansion. Um, I've read Holly's, I've listened to Holly's books and I've read Kendra's book and there are other accounts of things that happen. I don't, Bridget doesn't have a book or she does have a book. I just don't care to read it. I don't know which one it is. I think, so let me take that back. Let me be more specific. I don't know if Bridget has a book. If she does have a book, I know it's boring. I know that Bridget as the go between for everyone would be very even in her book. And that makes her a good friend. Like in real life, Bridget is probably someone very cool to hang out with. She definitely buy you a Christmas present. She definitely remember your birthday and get you a cake. Is she going to take, is she going to ride that fucking fence to the end of time? Absolutely. You'll never get off of the fucking fence. So I don't care to read anything she read, but I've read that. And I'm, and I, my intention is to read another, there's another playmates book, a playmate, a girlfriend's book. And which we'll get into are two different things. Um, and I would like to like get a bunch of different sides to everything so I can kind of sift through and figure out, figure out what I want to believe. Um, so one thing I would advise you to do, if you are listening to this, I want you to go back to listen to, um, Troy McGeady of Dunzo podcast, Dunzo with an exclamation point, did a great episode on the mansion and Hugh Hefner. And it's a dark episode. I think it's a few episodes. It's, it's dark, guys. It's real fucking dark. He did some good stuff on Anna Nicole Smith. On He's done episodes on um, Pam Anderson. These are all high-profile playmates, okay? And he talks a lot about the history of Playboy, the history of Hugh Hefner, etc., etc., he talks about the rapes. He talks about how Hugh essentially leaked nude photos of Marilyn Monroe. Everything we know about Marilyn, first of all, say I saw a tweet that said, if you go in someone's house and they have Marilyn Monroe decor, just turn around and walk back out. And I agree with that. I'm not saying that Marilyn Monroe is not someone to be admired. Like she has a great, interesting story. I'm also not saying that she's someone to be revered. I'm not saying that either, but I am saying it's the type of person that you walk in their house and they have a huge uh, print of, of a Marilyn Monroe photo or something. Just leave them alone. Leave them alone, man. Just leave them alone. But we have this idea of Marilyn Monroe of like who she was. She was like this sex pot and she was posing nude and she was doing all those, those photos were taken when she was very poor and needed the money and then were bought by Playboy once she started getting some fame and released against her will. Like Hugh Hefner's a gross guy, guys. I know that when we watch this episode, when we watch this show, 
I'll admit, I'll be the first person to admit, when I was watching this show when it was on the air, because this show premiered in 2005, when I was watching the show on the air, they edit this show like half just a, an old school gentleman living, <laughs> living in the past. He likes uh, black and white movies. He likes going to bed at nine o'clock and he likes naked women. That's it. And they paint him as this like grandfatherly type of guy that this harmless old guy. And sure. I mean, add some like royalty free music behind something that makes it sound kooky and I'm in, I get it. But the fact is, I mean, he was a part, like there's, there's whole scandals where he was in, there's a lot of stuff about Hugh Hefner, his involvement in an underage, uh, sex slave that was forced to do porn. Um, many of those, his involvement in a woman being forced to have sex with a dog that Holly pretty much confirms, um, lots of like drugging of women, lots, just a lot of shit. And I originally wanted to talk a lot about those things, but we're going to talk enough. I'm going to drag Hugh Hefner enough. Okay. Don't worry. But if you want the details and you want to, to really get information about like the early days of, um, Playboy and really Hugh Hefner's hypocrisy. I mean, people will say, well, he was all for feminism. Not true. He was all for, um, civil rights. He was all for black, for being able to have black men do porn <laughs> with young blonde women. Okay. That's what he was for. And he cloaked that under the idea of having of the, he cloaked that under like supporting civil rights. Like there's a lot of shit about Hugh Hefner. And if you want to hear more about that stuff, I really suggest you check out uh, Troy's um, episodes on Dunzo. Um, now, we're like 20 minutes in. I need to get started because my husband is off tonight. It's like 1030 at night on Saturday night. And my husband's off. He doesn't have to go to work. And he is wandering the house. I don't have an office anymore because my kids stole it from me. <laughs> that's a lie. I gave it to them. <laughs> they wanted them to have a bedroom. I don't have an office anymore. So a lot of times I have to record in odd times and my husband is wandering the house. I'm not sure what's going on. He keeps walking into a room, walking out, getting an ice cream, claiming, claiming he's going to sleep. But then I see him again, standing in the hallway, looking around, turning lights on, turning it off. Not sure. It seems like he's broken, but I wish he fucking fix it and go to fucking bed. Anyway, if some of this podcast sounds like I started and stopped, it's because I was talking and then he wandered into the fucking room and I had to stop. So <laughs> with no further ado, guys, let's talk about the first episode of Girls Next Door. It's called Meet the Girls. It premiered August 8th of 2005. Um, remember, well, not remember what you should know is that this show got a little traction because Hugh was, Hugh Hefner, 
or Hef, as everyone calls him, was on Cribs. The mansion was on Cribs. And um, Holly got to do some of like the, the tour park. She was a tour. She did a lot of tours for the, for the mansion. And it sparked some interest. And they were going to do a show about the mansion, just like. Um, it's one of the reasons you're going to see a lot of the staff in this first episode and in, in much of the first season, you're going to see a lot of the staff. So it was going to be about the staff, his sons who lived in the house, I guess it's not next door, but it's like up the street, his sons, um, you know, Mary and whichever girlfriends were there at the time, because remember he pretty much had a revolving door of girlfriends at this time. Um, Hef really, when Hef got divorced from his wife, um, I think her name was Kimberly. Yeah, she was Playmate of the Year, and he, they were like 36 years different. He basically had a stroke and was like, I gotta change my life, and got married to her and had two sons, in addition to his, I believe his, I think he's got two older kids besides the two younger sons. So, um, in 1998, they separated, and when Hef, have started going out again because it was very quiet during that those time that time he was married to to Kimberly. In fact, he stayed separated to her out of respect. I mean, it's it's he stayed separated to her out of respect until his youngest, I believe, was Cooper was eighteen. Now, that's one of those things that you have to remember about Hugh Hefner is that he would have these things where he would be. Um, you have these strange, not rituals, but like, not hangups, but just like, I can't, I'm going to live in the Playboy Mansion down the street from my ex and my two young sons, and I'm going to like, just be here fucking a bunch of bitches, <laughs> but I can't get divorced because my kid is not. My, my kid is an 18. Such a weird, like, hill to die on. But that's the type of things he used to do. Um, Holly says that when she moved into the mansion, the room she moved in was uh, the boys' room when they spent the night sometimes. And it's not toys in it. <laughs> so it's just a very strange, like, the whole thing is fucking strange. But anyway... So he started going out again and like some of his friends kind of got him to go out one time and he brought a bunch of girls with him and like the club went wild. And this is the time when like you've got your Christina Aguilera's and your NSYNC's and your Paris's and all these things, right? So, I mean, club life in LA is like crazy and Hef started going out. But again, remember Hef's an old man at this time. Um... And so he's got a schedule. I believe the schedule was Wednesdays and Fridays, or it might have been Tuesdays and Thursdays, but it was two days of the week that they would go out. And you had to go out with him on those days. And he would go to a club, and sometimes he'd dance. Holly said he's a really bad dancer. She said the first time they, they danced together, they, he, she thought he was joking. And she just laughed, and he was just, you know, kept doing his bad dancing. But um, I guess, you know, he's older at that point. So he starts doing this dancing, and... Um, he mostly sat at a table with a bunch of girls. Uh, one of the things Holly says is that when he'd be at these events where he just brought seven women, 
um, he would, people would come over to the table and not speak to them. What they would do is they would show up at the table and they would speak to, they were obviously window dressing. They would speak, speak to Hef. Every now and then someone would like refer to them or maybe like give a wave to everyone else. And they would carry a conversation on half and move on. Like people did not, they, they were like a couple of pets at the table, which is understandable. So, so by the time he starts getting really popular, um, he gets, he's getting a lot of, you know, like, um, shine from going out and stuff again. He's got seven girlfriends and he tries to keep that number. By the time we get to the girls next door, he's down to three girlfriends there's a lot of um, stories about how he got down to three. And, and although they're a bit different, they all boil down to this, is that at the time, have had a lot of like, because he was trying to keep seven girlfriends, it was hard to find quality girlfriends, quote unquote. And so by the time he got to this, um, he just really run through a lot of girlfriends. And by the time Girls Next Door premiered, he is not going out as much as he used to. And he just really got down to three girls and that fit better. So because this show is supposed to be about the mansion, the mansion's ground, playboy, and what, whoever lives at the mansion, the first year, the girls didn't get paid by the second year. They started to get paid. And that's mostly Kendra speaking up. I mean, Holly will talk about how Kendra is a user and how, and how she's like, gimme, gimme, gimme. But she's the first to admit that Kendra was the one that sat in the meeting and was like, well, the first meeting in the first year, um, they sat with production and someone high up at the network and were like, shouldn't we get paid for this? I mean, the show's essentially all about us because what happens, they started getting footage and they had an idea of what the, the girlfriends would be like. And they're not what you would assume they were like. Um, Holly and Bridget definitely have a, a certain girl next door type, um, vibe. And Kendra is young and spunky and listens to hip hop music. And as the seasons go on, she's turning her hat to the side and ghost riding the whip and shit. Like they, they're not what you would think a girl at who lives at the mansion would be like. And so they, it really did become a show about them. But they were asking, like, shouldn't we get paid? And the executive was like, listen, this show is about the mansion and Hugh Hefner's girlfriends, whoever that might be. It's not about you. You could be replaced tomorrow. And they just weren't paid that first year. You know, they were like, you get a, you get an allowance. I think they got a thousand dollars a week or something from from half and they're like, that's your payment. <laughs> you get an allowance from half. That's your payment. Even though they're, they're over as the years go by, they're making merch off these girls, you know, bobbleheads and bikinis and stuff. And, and like, they don't get paid for those things. It's by the second season that they start to get paid. And I believe it's the third season that E realized they don't have a contract with the girls. They have a contract with Playboy and Hugh Hefner. But the show was about these three girls. And so E was basically like, listen, we're not going to um, 
we're not moving forward with the show unless these girls are under contract. They need to be under contract with you, and then I'll be under, and we'll be under contract with. But you, nobody has a contract on them, and so Half made them all sign contracts that, with his company, with his production company, that essentially said, you know, Holly didn't want to sign it. Um, none of the girls wanted to sign it, but they essentially said, you are. The reason she didn't want to sign it is because it was, as they kept saying, it's a show about the mansion and the girls here, and it's almost like signing a contract to be his girlfriend for a certain amount of time. Because you've signed on to be on the girls next door as his girlfriend for a certain amount of time. You see what I'm saying? Like, it would be like if there was a TV show about my life and I went in there to my husband, even though I'm mad at him right now, I went in there to my husband and said, I need you to sign this saying that you'll play my husband on, on this TV show for the next 10 years. That's essentially saying I'm going to be your husband for the next 10 years, or at least I'm going to pretend to be. So yeah, the, the show comes and they didn't expect it to be like this. They didn't expect it to be so much fun and, and, and that people will relate to the girls. And Part of that is the editing. Like I said, they edit this like he's just some kooky old guy. How old is he when this starts? He's 79. He's definitely about the same age as my granddaddy. And he could be all of those all of those girls' grand, grandfathers. Um, and when this show starts, uh, Kendra's like 19 or 20 years old. Because she started dating half when she was 18 or 19 years old. Um, that makes... Holly, like 27, I mean, 26-ish. And I think um, Bridget is younger than Holly, although she, okay, this is a mean thing to say, but Bridget looks older than Holly. And when Holly was on Cribs and previously, Holly cut her hair into like a bob like Marilyn Monroe because that is absolutely, um, has, uh, aesthetic of woman he loves a blonde and with the red lips but he basically like cussed her out and like almost wiped the fucking lipstick off her mouth and was like you don't you you look old you look terrible and she did look old she looked older because her hair was cut short and it was like a mom hairstyle um whoever cut it for her it was a bob, but it looked like a mom hairstyle. And so Holly, people always thought Holly was much older than she was. And she was, I mean, and she was six years older than Kendra, but Kendra was a child, like a literal child. Maybe she'd had a lot of life experience and she had, if you read her book, like between the, the selling of drugs, the, the strip, like she's had a long fucking life. Um, She she went to rehab when she was like, I want to say 13. She went to rehab very young. And um, like she just, she just had a, she was just like a child. So compared to Kendra, she is old. <laughs> She's much older. But um, the thing about Bridget is Bridget always looked older than Holly. Another thing, the reason I'm bringing that up is because Bridget used to, they never thought they'd be in the magazine, Right. Um, uh, in the past, the girlfriends got to be in the magazine a lot. Uh, but what would happen is he would let someone have a pictorial in the magazine and they'd leave him because that's the reason they were there. <laughs> they wanted to be in the magazine. And when he was dating the 
bitten twins. They got like huge pictorials. Like a lot of his exes got in the magazine all the time. And also half like is a hoarder in a document, like as an old person is a documenter. He just basically takes tons of pictures. He writes, he, he wrote, he's dead now, but he wrote letters and he would make copies of them and put them in scrapbooks. Um, after Holly left the mansion, he would regularly write her letters about how mad he was at her about certain things. <laughs> and she knew they were in a scrapbook somewhere too. Um, but when he would document pictures, when he would document the, um, like going out and stuff like that, if you, sometimes those pictures appeared in the front of the magazine. So you might end up in a magazine. Like everyone wanted to be in a magazine. And by the time Holly, Kendra and Bridget are the three girlfriends, it's very hard to get in the magazine. We'll see them get in the magazine many times, but it's because of the show, not because half one of them, like he would hold it over their heads being in the magazine. Like he, that's the thing he would hold from them. But the reason this is like relevant is Bridget did look older, like just her face. I, she just didn't look as young. She just didn't look super young. And she had a master, so she's somewhere in her mid-20s, late-20s. And um, he basically told her she was never going to be in the magazine because she looks too old. Her face looks too old. She's not magazine material. And, yeah, so those are their ages. He's 79, 80 years old at the, at the start of all this. Um... So, but before we get started though, really get started on this, I want to mention that I feel like I start, I feel like I, I don't know if I said this or not. I've been interrupted so many fucking times, but there are 15 episodes in the first season, which is a lot more than I usually end up doing. I usually doing, I usually end up doing first seasons and they're like 10, 11 episodes, which gets me to about three months of a season, but this is 15 episodes and that's probably going to put me at closer to four months. And I don't know if I wanted to do it like that. They are also 22 minute episodes, which I love a 22 minute episode where you just give me the fucking story and let me move on with my life. Um, so what I think I'm going to do is this first episode, this first episode of this, this season of by pumpkin, I'm only going to do one episode because there's a lot of backstory and a lot of intro We're 34 fucking minutes in it. I'm just like really getting started on the episode. But from this point on, I'll be doing two episodes because and I think that's going to work out really nicely because Girls Next Door is, is a lighthearted reality TV show. Hef had a lot of control over this. I think he had, I think he had editing control and he would take things out. He didn't want, even though there was a lot of fucking fighting amongst the girls, he didn't want anyone, he didn't want it to be shown in that light. They had to be shown as goofy and ditzy and funny and just a lot of things were not shown. And so they underscore this with funny music and it just, it's a very lighthearted show. It's a tardy for the party, a Chrisley, Chrisley knows best. Um, it is Chrisley and they, it's like that type of show. And so those type of shows, nothing happens. <laughs> like every show has a theme, but like, there's, it's not like we're going to have these over, like these big arcs in every episode. So it's easy to do two episodes and that'll put us at probably eight episodes for this season of Buy Pumpkin. And I think that's a good, that's a good number to have. Um, yeah, so I just want to let you know, we're going to, it'll be two episodes, um, a week after this. Also, where am I watching this? It's not available on Amazon. I am watching this it's probably available on the e-app. I should think about that. But I'm watching this on YouTube. Didn't I say I hate watching shit on YouTube? I do. 
because I'm always like, I just know that I'll log in to watch episode four and then episode five, and then they'll be like, bloop, bloop, this was taken down. But it looks like these episodes have been up for a long time, and it looks like they've got all the seasons on there. So I'm going to do it this way this time. Um, yeah, I think that's about it. So the, the episode starts. We're getting a lot of B-roll. It looks like, it honestly looks like the B-roll from Cribs, you know, when they do quick cuts of things happening around the uh, mansion. We see Half in bed getting a tray from a butler, and he says hello to the camera. And then he's probably saying hello to the producer next to the cameraman. And then we see him working. You know, he still works on the magazine. He, even at this age, his daughter, Christy runs Playboy, right? But he still approves every page of that magazine. It's called the Brown book. And it's, and basically it gives, uh, it gives, I mean, he just reads it. I mean, you saw the devil wears Prada. You saw when Andy had to go get the book. <laughs> it's just like that. They give a book to Hef and then he would go through it and like circle things that he'd be correcting and he'd just approve everything and then they, it'd go to press. So next person we see is Holly. Now Holly is from Alaska. She, she Oregon and Alaska. She's lived in both places. And she is super skinny. She has white blonde hair wild extensions. Remember I just told you she had cut her hair and she looked very matronly and Hef was really pissed off at her for this. And she ended up getting extensions, but that's why her hair looks like wild. It looks like choppy and it, and it's sticking up sometimes in scenes and it's, it's cause it's extensions. Um, she says she moved into Hef's two days after the first date. This is not true. Holly Got an invite to the mansion. She was working at Hooters. By the way, this is another way Holly's such a fucking Mary Sue. She's like, she's moved down to LA to start an acting career. And by this point, she's already done like a test shoot for Playboy. Okay. And she didn't, it, it was disastrous. She didn't, this is back when she was in Oregon. And, she, and she's got her big, these boobs. She already paid for these boobs. So she decided to go to LA and be a star. She's working at Hooters. Okay. She, in her book, she's like, I get the, I put on the outfit at Hooters and I just couldn't believe how short it was and, and how revealing. Holly, how the fuck don't you know what people wear at Hooters? You went into Hooters and applied. Hooters did not kidnap you off the street and give you this outfit. You know what the people at Hooters wear, okay? What the women at Hooters wear. Get the fuck out of here with that shit. This is the type of shit she put in her book. This is really the type of shit she put in her book. But she's working at Hooters and she's, and Hooters, and she mentions Hooters can be a family family place. She is right. They dress like that, but it's supposed to be like a, come on down and see girls' labias falling out of their shorts. It's still a good family time. Listen, their wings are pretty good. <laughs> I just talked a lot of shit. Their wings are pretty good. The naked ones with just a butter on it, that shit's good. Okay. But, but, um, so she's working there and she gets an invite to the Playboy Mansion, which as you guys know, at this point, well, and further as it gets through time, it gets easier and easier to be invited to the Playboy Mansion. The Playboy is losing money. Um, half doesn't even own that mansion, which we'll get to. And 
they gave they gave out invites to pretty girls who worked at Hooters like nothing. Okay, that was already a thing. And then later they would start selling tickets to make money, and then anybody really could get in. So she gets she and a friend get invited, and they go and they have a good time. She sees Hef, and there's no spark. She says hello. He says hello. By the way, when you went to the Playboy Mansion in those days, they would take a picture of you when you walked in. And um, I guess if you're a woman, they would take a picture of you and uh, print all the pictures for Hef and he would write A, B, or C. A means that you are invited to come back anytime. That means uh, pool party days, you know, just days where they need a lot of cute girls there, like they're gonna call you first. B means if they, if, um, on bigger days, like parties and stuff, you might be invited back. C means if they need warm bodies, they'll call you. And for a long time, Holly just, just as she gets there and the other girls and she, Holly just has a complex about how she looks. As you can see, she's a very beautiful woman. I don't understand that, but also like being beautiful does not preclude you from having a complex about your looks. In fact, I think it makes it worse. Like I'm an ugly person. <laughs> I laugh when I say that because people always get upset with me, but I, I'm saying I've never been like a hot, hot person. And I accepted that like very early on in like puberty and stuff. And I was like, well, that's just not going to work out for me. Like if life is going to be a bikini contest, I'm not going to be winning that. So <laughs> I need to look, I need to enrich other areas. I need to be knowledgeable. I need to be funny. I need to be fun to be around. And so I worked that way. I was like, this going to eat these cupcakes. I'm not going to stop eating these cupcakes. So <sighs> no bikinis for me. <laughs> but if you're someone who's used to being good looking and praised for your looks, I guess, it, I mean, you can really have a complex about whether or not, you know, I guess it's like this. If you're a very academic minded person, I'm not gonna say smart because getting good grades doesn't necessarily make you smart. But if you're very academically inclined like I was, you spend a lot of time worrying about your grades because if you lose your grades, then what are you? And I can imagine if you're, you're, if you've been a beautiful girl your entire life, maybe not the most, maybe you've been around people who you think are more beautiful, but you've been a good looking girl your entire life and people praise you on that. And it's how you make friends and it's how you get boyfriends and it's how you navigate the world. I bet you it's really hard. I bet you spend a lot of time worrying about what happens if you lose that. And so like when Holly talks about in her books about how, I don't know how insecure she is and how she was made to feel like the ugly one, even though she became number one girlfriend. Um, the, like they wanted someone who they didn't think was much competition and she was seen as kind of the homely one. Um, and if, so she always felt that way. And so later, years later, when she found her pictures going through some stuff, because she would go through pictures too with Hef, like picking out people to, to ask to come to the parties and stuff. Um, she found her picture. There was an A on there. She was incredibly shocked. Even though she was sleeping in his bed every night, she was just like, she just never thought he thought much of her looks. And part of that is because Hef is an emotional abuser. <laughs> Hef would basically, I mean, he was basically like, um, like negging 
the girls and he would plot them against each other and he would pick one that would be his favorite and kind of like size up the others next to that. And the reason was that he, there were too many girls there at first and he could never have them like overtake him. Um, he, like one night on a Wednesday or something, he wanted to go to the club as planned and all the girls got together and were like, no, we don't want to go. So we'll, we'll go out on Friday night or whatever. And he hated that. He hated that they just ganged up on him. So he would divide and conquer all the time. He would play games. He would, I mean, he really liked the drama of it. He just did. He was, he was a petty, petty, petty person. Um, and both Kendra and Holly said that. Kendra said that something happened one day and she, like he came to her room and was like, I don't like that you weren't fighting over me or something like that. And she, she's like, well, no, why didn't you ask to sit next to me at like a, a movie? Cause they, they play a lot of movies in there. And he, and she was like, well, you know, just the way that goes is that Holly sits next to half. That's how it goes. And when there were seven girlfriends there, uh, his, his number one girlfriend, I think her name was Lisa. And the second favorite girlfriend sat on the other side and that's how it went. You didn't, you didn't fuck up those seats. And so that's what Kendra basically said is that, you know, I let Holly, that's Holly's place. And he was like, I want you to fight more to get it, you know, to sit next to me. And it hurts my feelings when you don't. And she was like, well, I don't want the drama. And she says, Kendra says, now Kendra speaks lovingly of Hef. Okay. Lovingly of Hef. But and this is a story through somebody else that Kendra said. So maybe, so maybe it's not true. Maybe it's exaggerated. But Kendra said he stomped his foot and said, I like the drama. <laughs> but he does. He, he liked the drama. By all accounts, that's what he liked to do. So she always felt homely. Um, but after, so after she'd been there the first time, she didn't really make an impression, but she did get invites back and she should have known that she was an a girl because that's how they get invites back so like they would have weekend pool parties excursions things like that just hanging out around the house the playboy mansion just had to have young hot women around all the time and so she'd be there she'd be there every weekend basically she was in school i think she dropped out of school at this point but she's working in hooters she's you know living on her own scraping together rent all she ever ate was chicken wings she said and she's going she's got a shitty car and she's going to the mansion every every weekend she'd been going to the mansion for a year before she apparently went on this date with uh hef and uh one of the girls that was her friend i forget her name but one of the girls was really pushing for holly to be like to like there was a spot open in the girlfriend crew and they were really pushing for Holly and Holly believes it's because she was, they thought that she was not competition and they liked, and they wanted a spot by someone they could tolerate, but also like not push anybody out of, out of their spots. So one night, um, like the friend that she was really hanging out with and stuff like, uh, that was a girlfriend was like, you need to go out with us. You need to go out with us because he's looking for another girlfriend. And so she basically had to invite herself out and have said it was fine. So they all go out, they do their thing. She's fucking drunk, really drunk. And they get back to the house because on these nights where they would go out, you, they would go out clubbing, be seen as arm candy, come back. And that was the night you had, you, you, that's the night Hef would take you up to his room. So Hef, uh, 
would take all the girls up to this room. So like she went up there, um, all that she's fucking drunk and she has sex with him. And basically there's a lot of porn on the screen. Um, he's taking Viagra. He would talk about that openly. Um, each girl would just do a couple like up and downs on him for like a minute. And they would also like cuddle, like, like, I don't know how to describe this. It wasn't that they were having sex with each other, but they were fake having sex and kind of like making out and stuff. He can't see. It's fucking dark. (laughs) And he's old. And I mean, but Holly says that like the music was blaring and the porn was really loud and like they're, they would be giggling and yawning and texting their boyfriends (laughs) And, and, you know, just like, it makes me sad. That's what it makes it makes me sad. This guy just like whacking his dick, trying to get it hard, and he's taking Viagra, and he's got all these women here that are essentially being paid. Um, we need to talk about. We'll talk about this later in the series, but we need to talk about whether they're employees or girlfriends because it seems it's the lines blurred, and I'm all for them being either one, but let's figure out which one we are. And so you got all these women who are, who are basically paid and coerced and um, keep in mind that they would have, that the girlfriends would kind of have to recruit other girls like Fresh Meat to come up there. And he liked having girlfriends that had a lot of like um, friends and that could bring in other girls and stuff. And so like, it's just sad. It just sounds sad to me. So she took her turn and that was it. And then she... And then, so she's had sex, and she spends the night there. She she's spending the night at the mansion all the time, like in one of the guest rooms or guest house. And at this point, she was getting kicked out of her, her place. Her roommate that she had a place with, her parents said that she, that she would, they would pay her entire rent if she would move, move into a new place and let her alcoholic brother be her roommate. And so that's what was happening, and... Holly had shitty credit. She'd max out her car to get her boobs. Um, she had no place to go. And so she, and there was a spot. So she, the next morning, she goes to see in search of Hef and she finds him and she says, and he's like, hey, pumpkin, <laughs> you know, like your granddaddy says. <laughs> and, and and she, I mean, she just had sex with him for the first time. She says, you know, would it be okay if I could stay here for a little while? And he just gets quiet and goes, for a little while, and we'll see how it goes. And that's how Holly moved into the fucking mansion. This is from Holly's own fucking words. Um, I know on the show, she's like, we've been doing this, but this is not how it worked. And she's been, they've been in a relationship at this point for three and a half years. She says Hef is the best relationship she's ever had. That's also a lie. And he says that she is his. I don't know if that's a lie or not. It might not be. I think he really liked that he can control Holly very easily by amping the girls up, the other girls up, and like he would yell at her in a way that he would not yell at the. This is according to Holly. He he would yell at her and treat her in a way that he didn't treat the other girls because they weren't as deep in it, and they would leave, and and he didn't think Holly would leave. So Bridget came in the picture 
she's been there for three years. So she, Holly was already there. Um, she and Bridget got along great. Um, at the time, she st- there were still seven girlfriends. So there were a lot, but she and Bridget were friends right away. Um, listen, they all said they fall in love with Heath right away because he has a gentleman quality. And it's true, he does have that. His public facing is like, I'm a man of leisure. I have on a, I have on a smoking jacket and I'm, I just love women. <laughs> I just love blonde women. Like that's how the way he comes off. But, and I can see like, if you are hanging around the house and there's a girlfriend um, spot open and you're just like, you know, it would be nice to live here. It's a good opportunity. I might get in the magazine. I don't have to pay rent. I mean, he's gonna give me a stipend. Like this, and he's he's a real he's a nice guy. And also, keep in mind that they the girlfriends when they were the, the seven-ish girlfriends, they would always tell everyone they didn't have sex with him because they all had boyfriends. A lot of them had boyfriends. And they would tell everyone they didn't have sex with Hep. It was just to be arm candy. But the fact is they did. And so what would happen, and this is what, like, I don't always feel sad for Holly. Okay? I don't. I, I think that she know that she's a lot more calculating than she, will, she would like you and I to believe. But I do feel bad at the idea of that. You've been hanging around with these girls who are his girlfriends, and they're telling you, you should come stay here. You, girl, you'd have so much fun. Look, there's a stripper pole in my room. So much fun. You just call down to the butler pantry, and you just ask for anything you want, and they make it. And and he's so nice. And we get to be on TV sometimes. We get to walk red carpets. And you're like, oh, my God, but what's the sex like with him? Oh, we don't have sex with him. Never. Never. And yes, you have to be a certain type of naive to believe that, right? You have to have a certain type of naivete to believe that a man has spent his entire working life promoting sex, lots of sex. Like, do you know what's super gross? Every bathroom in, in the Playboy Mansion, the tennis courts and the grotto all had, what did she say? It was Vaseline, baby oil, and baby wipes on a tray in it. Just this, like, can you just imagine, like, you're playing tennis and all, and someone's like, you know what? Put that racket down. I'm about to fuck you in your ass. Like, <laughs> that's the lifestyle this man's had all his life. And I know at this point he's like 80 years old, but there is a certain naivete to be like, yeah, he just has us all around, pays us money every month, and I mean, every week. And we get all our hair done for free and we get to go do all these things. And no, you never have to have sex with him ever. It's, there's a certain naivete to that. But, and yet still, I can feel for this idea that you thought you're getting into one thing. And then one night after you guys go out the party and you're really, really drunk, they're like, okay, well now we got to go up to his room. And you're like, what for? And they're like, come on, girl. And you, so you just go up there. And it's time for you to do, to, to have sex with someone that you did not intend to have sex with. And I'm not saying she was raped. I'm not in the business of call. Like there's a lot of things that happened that I think is rape that the person it happened to doesn't think it's rape. And so I'm not in the business of calling something rape is the person, if the person who has it happened to says it isn't. Kat Marnell, for example, I, I listened to her book. I don't, I didn't even know who fucking Kat Marnell was until 
I listened to that book. I, I feel like I had an idea. I feel like I knew the name, but I didn't. But I listened to the book, and she talks about her first time losing virginity, and it sounds like a rape to me. She is blackout drunk and uh, like a freshman in high school, and it, they go to a very snazzy boarding school, and so they go, I think it's outside of Boston, and they go into Boston for hotel parties. She's And she's hanging out with these older girls, and they're like, there's no room in our hotel. And they drop her off with some older class, upperclassmen boys and are like, can you watch Cat for the weekend? And they're like, yeah. And she gets incredibly, one of them gets her incredibly drunk. They're doing shot for shot. And she goes into the bathroom to pee and he shows up in the bathroom and she's blackout drunk. And like, she, I correct me if I'm wrong, but she talks about like blacking in and out while he's having sex with her. And she tells it like, isn't this funny? <laughs> oh my God. I was so wild back then. And I'm like, no, that was a rape. That was a rape. Like, it doesn't matter how drunk you were. That was a rape. Um, and that's how I feel, but she doesn't want to call it a rape. So who the fuck am I to show up and be like, cat, just so you know, you were raped. That's, it's not my, it's not my deal. Um, so I'm not going to say Holly Madison was raped. And she, the way she explains is it was consensual, but it was gross. And I feel for her being, I feel for her that moment she gets in there and she's like, oh, they were all lying. <laughs> and now I either need to get up and leave and not come back here or I need to hop on this old man's dick and figure it out. And she chose to hop on it. <sighs> so... Bridges from Lodi. She's super peppy. She's um, She's been looking at Playboy magazine since she was four years old, thinking how beautiful the naked women are. Um, I'm probably a prude, guys, in, in terms of, like, in terms of, like, nakedness. And that comes from being a foster parent and, like, having all types of kids with trauma in my house. Like, I'm super careful about privacy and about um, nakedness and things like that. First of all, it would get my license but like even with my adopted kids is I don't walk around the house in a pair of underwear and a t-shirt it's just not what I do and um so the idea and I'm not saying that my toddlers aren't naked they're naked quite they don't care about being naked <laughs> you know I I'm trying to, to get one changed during his closer day and he's taking off his nighttime pull up and running through the house to throw it in the trash completely naked like he doesn't care about being naked but I have a four-year-old and I'm thinking about him flipping through the pages of a Playboy magazine casually. And she said she was doing her parents were home, but who the fuck was home? You're four, you're not alone. Who was just like, oh, it's cool. She's just in there with the Playboy, it's fine. I just, this is not a thing I would allow to happen. And it's probably because, I don't know. I. I don't know. I have sense. I don't know. <laughs> it, it. I hope we're just exaggerating. Four years old, flipping through the Playboy magazine is a lot. Um, she has a master's in communication. She thought she'd teach, but she didn't think that would be fun. She's right. <laughs> she says, Holly, she, so basically the way the relationships are set up is that Holly does a lot. Holly's 110% with have. That's the main bitch. Um, Holly says that she got to be the main bitch because 
um, when the last main bitch left, she, um, none of the other girls really wanted it <laughs> because you do have to spend the most time with half and you do, you're kind of a dead mother and you, you take the fall for a bunch of things. We'll talk about that in a bit. But, um, so Holly and half are in a relationship, a hardcore relationship. And Bridget explains it like Bridget and Holly, I mean, Bridget and Kendra are the icing on top, right? They're just extra. Um, Bridget mentions that like she lives in the same room with Hef. She does. Let me tell you why she stays in the same room. So at this point, Hef doesn't own the mansion anymore. Um, Playboy Enterprises owns the mansion. And I believe Playboy is publicly traded. I could be wrong, but I believe it. So it has like a board of directors or whatever. So <laughs> Hef rents rooms in a mansion, right? So he pays $25,000 a month for that master bedroom. He pays $12,000 a month for bedroom number two and like 10 grand a month for bedroom three and whatever, because the bedrooms are numbered. With the setup that it's here now, Kendra's in room number two, Bridges in room number three, and Holly's in the room with, um, with Hef. Now, previously he had seven girlfriends, so there were six bedrooms and, and, um, and the girl that lived with Hef. And so Holly was like, so where Holly lives, <laughs> Holly lives, all her stuff is in a corner in Hef's bedroom, in his closet. Um, <laughs> she has no room. She, her dogs have to stay in there. The other girls have whole rooms to themselves that they can just kind of like spread out and they just go to Hef's room when they need to. But <laughs> Holly doesn't have any of that. And so when they got down to just three girlfriends, um, Holly asked Hef if she could have like room three or room four or something like that. And he said, absolutely not. Do you know how much that's going to cost me? Basically, he's like, I'm not going to pay 10 grand a month to you, 10 grand a month so you can have your own room. Now you get back in that corner of my fucking closet. <laughs> and I believe this. I believe this. It doesn't make sense why Holly didn't have her own room. Now, he, now they'll say it's so we can be closer, but have some hoarder. And when you look in that room, there's just a ton of shit in there. Holly talks about like moving stuff around and finding like old dog pissed on things. Like it's disgusting in there. And it's like your granddaddy's room. My granddaddy's a fucking hoarder too, which is why every time my aunts and my mom visit him, they clean his house. And he's not a hoarder in terms of like and he's hoarder, so he's not that, but he does have just shit in his house, and they'll just go over there and be like, okay, daddy, um, we're gonna, do you really need all this in there? We're gonna get rid of this. They're gonna move things out of the garage. They, whenever my parent, my mom and her sisters and brother visit my granddaddy, they do some work while they're there. They do a lot of cooking, and they do a lot of, like, just paring down of things for him, and half is somebody's granddaddy, okay? So, and she, that's another thing. She, so he wouldn't even let her have her own fucking room because it will cost him $10,000 a month. And she wasn't worth that. So well, now we get Kendra's, Kendra's intro, intro. Kendra has been at the mansion for about a year. So she's 19 or 20 when this is happening. Um, Kendra 
So this is how Kendra got to the mansion. Kendra, after finally graduating high school, it took her a long time. She was doing a lot of shit. Um, she was coked out of her mind most of the time. And so she started stripping. Well, basically what happened is she was working at like, <laughs> I think it was Papa John's and she was getting like a lot of shit and she just was making a lot of money. And she was dating this guy who liked to go to car shows and she'd go to car shows with him. And Kendra is a tomboy. Okay. So she doesn't have, she never had a lot of clothes. She was wearing a lot of jerseys, stuff like that. But her boyfriend like liked her to be a little sexy and to get pictures taken on the cars and stuff. So she started wearing cutoffs and, and bra tops and things. And someone took a few pictures of her and she was also stripping. She started stripping because she started feeling real sexy and she could make money and she got some boobs, she got some titties. No, she started stripping before she got the titties. Um, and so she's stripping. Um, she, she could always dance. She could always, she's, as the girls say, she's physical. So like she gets a, a job stripping really easily in San Diego. So that's where she's from. Um, so someone offers to take some pictures, like some money from the car show days. And she's taking pictures in her stripping clothes. And someone at Playboy saw the picture somehow, maybe it was submitted or something. And she got asked to be one of the painted ladies. So at the Midsummer Night's Dream party that they have every year, they have women serving drinks who are paint, who are naked but painted. Um, you know, just whatever's unsanitary. And so, <laughs> so Kendra got chosen to do one of those. She's in San Diego, so she drives down to LA because she's got the job, and she she does she gives out shots that night. Now, all the picture, all the girls that they chose for this, their pictures are on. They're printed out, and the pictures are on the printer. Like Playboy is all about pictures, obviously. One of the things you would do if you lived in a mansion is that there'd be an official photographer taking pictures. And then, and the next morning after the party, there would be prints outside your door. So you could look at yourself and stuff. Um, there's just pictures everywhere. So on the printer was a picture of Kendra, Kendra with her old nose, by the way. And, <laughs> and um, that was mean, but it's true. Cause when they show her at the party, she's definitely got her old nose. Um, so, Hef sees the pictures like, who's this young girl straight out of high school? <laughs> and he, he's very interested in her every, and he's asking about her. And she was just downstairs getting painted for the party. So he comes down, he introduces himself. And then he did talk to her again at the party. After that, just like Holly, she got started inviting, and just like Bridget, just hanging around the mansion. Like you can come for the weekends, you can come for this party and come for that. And according to Kendra, what happened is the second time she saw him, like after a pool party, <laughs> Hef follows her out to her car with a key and says, will you be my girlfriend? <laughs> and, so, and she says, nah, I got to go back to my boyfriend and my life in San Diego stripping. And, so, <laughs> and she does, she goes back. She, she thinks it's weird, but she keeps coming and coming and coming. And after a while, they, she's like, she likes being there. And also she's lied. The photographer, when he have called her personally, he says to come start coming back to these parties. And when the photographer told her he was going to, he's like, I gave him your number. 
tell him you're a student. He does not like strippers. What he likes is students. He likes fresh-faced college girls. So she had lied and told him she was a student. This is according to Kendra. And so she couldn't come down during the week like she wanted to because she was supposed to be in class in San Diego. And the weekends were her stripping and she missed a lot of stripping gigs and stuff. And so Hef once again says, please come live with me, please, please, please. And Kendra says, she's a, she lives in a whole, she lives in a, in a bedroom, in a, like a two bedroom apartment where she basically pays all the bills with a roommate and her boyfriend. And she says, well, my lease isn't up for a couple of more weeks. It is the summer. So again, she's pretending she's not in school anymore. And he says, well, how much to pay your lease out? And it was like 4,000. He gave her $5,000. He comes back with like a pack, like a little envelope of $5,000. Like, come, please come down. So she goes back and tells her boyfriend who knows she's been going to the Playboy Mansion all this time. And she says, listen, I'm going to move into the Playboy Mansion. Here's the money to pay off the lease and everything. I'm going to move into the Playboy Mansion. And he's like, what? <laughs> We're in a relationship. And she's like, uh, you know, but his relationship's going sideways, blah, 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 blah. And I'll be back, you know, things will be good for me to hang out there and like get publicity and maybe I'll get in a magazine and then, you know, we'll be back together at some point. And apparently he believes her. She says she was lying and she just thought it would be an easy way. He should have known what she was saying, but apparently he believed her. And the day, and he, she didn't, her car was shitty. And the day that, so whenever she would come, Hef would send her a, I guess he'd send a car for her to take, to bring her down there and take her back. So the day she goes to leave, she's going to get in the car and she's bringing her dogs, the two dogs that she, that they mentioned she has in this episode. And her boyfriend's like, excuse me? Wait, bitch, you said you was coming back. And she's like, what do you mean? I gotta take the dogs with me? I'm definitely coming back after I finish fucking Hefner. And so, <laughs> so they get into like a tussle or something and then she's off to the mansion. This is her story. Holly says the story is a lie because Hef does not walk around with keys to the mansion. That, that's something an admin gives you or something like that. And also, Hef does not ever invite you to be a girlfriend if you've not had sex with him. Like on those excursions that you go out on, you go out with him on the club nights, you must have sex with him before he'll ever consider you being a girlfriend. And it's impossible. And I believe Holly. <laughs> Kendra has a very um, fluffy picture of Hef. She paints Hef as like a father figure type to her. Kendra's father, if you watch Kendra on top, Kendra's father left the family when he was very young. She looks a lot like him, by the way. And she reconnected with him when she was older and mad at her mom. Like this is after she had the baby and got married and all that shit. And he was an alcoholic and a drug addict, but he came into a lot of money at one point, like an inheritance of some sort, like after he left the family and moved to Costa Rica. He has money now. He never had money when she was younger. And <laughs> so she didn't really have a father figure. And she thinks of Hef as a father figure. He was going to give her away at her fucking wedding. And it's just <sighs> the way she talks about him is like her grandfather, who she used to blow sometimes. And if that sounded gross to you, it should. 
and she sounds gross to Kendra, but again, I'm not Kendra and I'm not here to tell Kendra the way she's been taken advantage of. So that's how Kendra got to the mansion, depending on who you believe. I believe Holly. It doesn't make sense that um, Hef would be inviting people to be his girlfriend who he hadn't slept with. Um, Holly says she slept with him like the first time they came, she was coming to the house. Like, not the Midsummer Night's Dream party, but the next time she came to the house, she slept with him. And that after sleeping with him for a while, they he has to be the girlfriend. And that makes a lot more sense to me than what Kendra's saying. Um, we see Kendra with the butler a lot, the butler staff a lot. Kendra fully admits that, you know, she'd been a stripper. She didn't get off to 3 a.m. Um, being at the house with the with the you know, the curfews and all that was really hard for her. She spent a lot of time with the butler staff. And after Kendra started like being down there all hours of the night, the have put a kibosh on that. And they don't, they're not allowed, to, the girls are not allowed to do stuff. In fact, the girls aren't allowed to do a lot of fucking things. This is one of the problems I have with this. When I talk about how gross this relationship is, a lot of people accuse me of being like, approved of not being sex positive of being someone who who's against polyamory so let me just put that I might be approved I might be I doubt it but I might be sure it's fair if you want to call me that because um I do find that uh people sitting on a couch in a g-string grosses me out because now I have to sit on the couch girl sure 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 um not being sex positive that's not that's absolutely not true I like I mean, I just believe in good consensual sex and I don't care how you have it. I don't, I'm not against polyamory, but this isn't polyamory. This isn't, this is, I don't know why they call this. It's not polyamory and polyamory. Everyone can, has an equal opportunity to sleep with who they want to based on the rules of the group. This is polygamy, not married. That's what it is. And half has all the power. The girls have all the rules. Um, they just don't, they're, they're not allowed to do all kinds of stuff. They can't go out at 9 p.m. And Holly says it's because, you know, other girls are not being good and they were doing this. Like other girls had full on fucking apartments places sometimes. And uh, like, but yeah, it's because they weren't your girlfriends. They were employees. You paid them a month, a weekly stipend to have sex with you. That's different. Um, than being your girlfriend. I don't know that he had relationships with them. I, it's like this. If, you and your employer have a good relationship, which you should. It should be that you have a good relationship with your employer. You're still an employee. You're still there because they pay you. And if they don't pay you, then you're not going to be there. And they're, they're going to pay you as long as it's beneficial to pay them, to pay you. And if it's not, then they'll stop and they'll find someone cheaper or someone better or whatever. That's the relationship. And the fact is all those girls are there because they get a plate, free place to live and a stipend and they get to be in the magazine and they get to go out on, in the limo. And that's, that's what it is. And to imply it's anything else is ridiculous. Um, well, a lot of times we see these older, powerful men. It's very rarely women. Um, I think, uh, Bianca Jagger is the exception, but these older, powerful men who have money and power and who, continually entangle themselves with entangle with young, very young women. And the women's ages all stay the same as they get older and older. There's something to think about there. Leo DiCaprio is disgusting. I'm going to say that he's disgusting because 
as he gets older, he's still dating the same age of people. And there's a reason he's doing that. And it's not because I just get along with 18 year olds. I have a, a podcaster I love to listen to. I love his fucking shows. I love his podcast network. Um, he continually dates boys just out of high school and he's older than I am. And there's a lot of justification. He's like, you know, young people are full of hope. And, uh, you know, people my age, they, they might as well be my mom's age. And I have to, like, teach them how to use Skype and stuff. And, like, they can't even do Cash App. Like, the reason you continually date boys directly out of high school is not because you don't want to teach a significant other how to use Cash App. Like, why are we playing like that? The fact that you're a tech-savvy person is not the reason you keep finding yourself in entanglements with young boys. Now, they're legal. They're legal. But they're usually emotionally unavailable or even physically unavailable. Some of them are, like, far off, okay? Some of them are, like, living in different states they're never going to see each other. It's a long distance relationship with no sex and no, and no way of being like, I'm not against long distance relationships, but you have to understand what I'm saying. So you're dating someone who's 20 fucking years younger than you, more than 20 years younger than you, who met you through your podcast. Okay. And they like the way your voice sounds and they started messaging you. They're so much younger. When you see them in person, they refuse to have sex with you or it's, it takes some coaxing and they tell you they're not physically attracted to you. And there's all this drama involved in their relationship. Like, come on. It's not just that, like, I, I, I think Leo DiCaprio is doing just fine. I think he's figured it out. I think he's got his life together and he's just figured out what he's going to do from this point on. But it's not that. That's not the reason, like, I guess, let me, I, I misspoke. It's not that with this podcaster. Like, it's like he doesn't realize these relationships he's having. And he's always sad when, they're, when, they, when they end. He doesn't realize that these relationships have like a five-year shelf life because you don't have enough money and power to keep someone longer than that. Because when you're 18, five and 18, 23 is a lot. They're going to change. They're still growing as a person. And by the time they're 23, or even if you get them till 25, which he doesn't, but by the time they're 23, they're a whole other fucking person. And they don't want to be with a 43 year old dude that doesn't fit their type, um, their aesthetic, I mean, body type and things like that. Like they, they're not there because they're interested in being in a good, in a relationship with you. There is a power dynamic. One of them was like a friend of a student. It's too much. And when it comes to people like and Ashley Dart, and then Michael Darby, um, your David Fosters and stuff. 
the money is the draw and you cannot pretend like, and they will pretend they'll be like, I'm just young minded. She keeps me young. You know, I just have more in common with her than some woman my age. No, what you have is a great desire to possess youngness. You have a great desire to have someone young and hot on your arm to show other people what you can get. And I'm not here to judge that. Well, I am here to judge that, but I, I know that that's not something that you made up yourself. I know that's a societal thing. But in return for that, it feels like they expect these women to love them for them. So if you want you want these women for their beauty, their bodies, and what they symbolize, what they show other people about you, but they have to want to be with you for your old wrinkly dick and your black and white movies and your piss covered carpets of the mansion. They can't, if they wanna be with you because you can take them places they can't go, you can buy them things they can't buy themselves, you, you can give them um, a stability and a softness and a lifestyle that they cannot give for themselves, then they're fucking gold diggers. But what are you? You're a gold digger too. I mean, you're a youth digger. I don't know, you're, you're whatever that is. There's, as far as I'm concerned, there's an even exchange of goods here. Now, like I said, these children right out of high school, I'm, I feel like that's predatory. If you, if every new person you date is 18 years old and just graduated high school, I feel like that's predatory. Fine. But just dating someone immensely younger and beautiful, or even just, very, very beautiful. And there's an exchange of money for youth and power. Like there's an even exchange of things. I don't feel like it's nice to call someone a fucking gold digger when you're only with them because of what they look like and what a stack they bring to your lifestyle. You have to pay for that then. And I also think it's fair for me to say that all relationships have some exchange of things. Um, unconditional love doesn't exist. I'm sorry to tell you that it just doesn't. Uh, it is, it does not exist. I don't, I don't know where you guys got this shit from, but nobody loves everyone, no matter what it's, it's, you love your children intensely because they're your children. If they were some strangers off the streets, you would not love them like that. And that's why it's not unconditional. You love your, your partner for who they are and what they bring to you. I love my husband because he takes care of me. Um, I'm someone who's super independent. I get it on my own. I'm a hustler. I don't need any fucking body. But so when someone shows up to the table and can care for me, they got me. That's it. They got me. It's if, so if you ever want to fuck me, that's how you do it. You make me things, you handle things for me. You make my life easier and you got me. If he were someone who took from my life over and over again, who I had to pay for financially, who I had to also follow behind and pick up after, who was not a partner in raising children, who was not a partner in everyday life, I wouldn't love him. So I'm never going to say that I love him unconditionally. I think people mistakenly think unconditional love means, means I love you through ups and downs. That's not unconditional love. That's just love. That's how love works. It's also how love doesn't work. Sometimes through downs, you lose people. But 
there's no such thing as unconditional love. You can't, you can't name a situation where unconditional love exists. I don't, I reject it. It just doesn't. I love my mom terribly because she's my mom. <laughs> and she has loved me and taken care of me throughout the years. I love her. If my mother started stealing from me and beating my children and burnt down my house, I wouldn't love her anymore. <laughs> I might be emotionally connected to her, but if I wouldn't be actively loving her, love is a fucking verb. It's not a thing. It's not a chain you attach to someone. And then now it's just there. It just, it's something you have to keep doing over and over and over again. My husband started doing drugs and draining our bank account and beating me and my children. I'm not, I'm not saying I'd be able to extract myself from the relationship right away. Cause sometimes victims, it's very hard to do those things, but would I be actively loving him? Absolutely not. There's no such thing as unconditional love. You can't, I, I would say change my mind, but you can't because it's not, it's, it's impossible. There's no such thing. And so here these are, these old fucking men with sitting on piles of money, running around here, picking out gorgeous young women to use up and saying, please love me unconditionally. I know you're so young and beautiful and you could be with anyone, but please come be with old me and don't, don't pay no attention to this money. I just have it. I'm going to use it to court you, but you can't want any of it. That's stupid. It's fucking stupid. I, the, the way Holly describes, even the way Kendra describes have is very fatherly in a bad way. And that he kind of just decides things for you. And even like, even as we get into this, to, to the girls next door, they are not going on trips and stuff. They had a routine. He had a routine. He's 80 fucking years old, you know, like me, <laughs> he wanted to do shit when he wanted to do it. And they had to follow that. Even though like Kendra's used to being out all night, but she can't be out all night. She has to be home by nine. And no one, that's another thing. They don't tell you the rules. You don't get a little handbook when you move in. Well, you have to just kind of figure it out for Kendra. She been living in the mansion for a bit and she just noticed everyone put on their pajamas at nine o'clock and she was like oh they seem to be staying and someone finally mentioned to her that there was a, a curfew um so Kendra's the sporty one Kendra's the young one when Kendra got to the mansion there were still lots of girls there but Hef according to Holly Hef got rid of those girls because some of them had snuck Kendra out of the mansion late at night and had, um, this is when she was becoming a girlfriend and had, uh, offered her drugs and Kendra's had major drug problems in the past. And she told half and half kicked them out. Can you imagine dating someone for two years who met someone else and kicked them out on and kicked you out of the house on the word. They're not girlfriends, guys. They're employees. I, I maintain their employees. Um, Kendra says she's in massage therapy school, but that's a lie. <laughs> she did go to massage therapy school, but by the time girls next door premiered, she, but started filming, excuse me. She's, she's already graduated. She doesn't have any more classes. And so when you see her in the class, like cracking jokes and just being a reverent Kendra, which was super compelling because it just really was like, oh, this girl's a firecracker. She's just funny. And, but those are her friends. That's a setup for the production. 
Oh, there's lots of dogs there. Holly has four dogs. Kendra has two. There are two dogs that kind of belong to the house and Bridget's cat, the one, um, the big furry one. <laughs> there's a scene where Harlow's outside and um, it's one of, uh, I guess she's a Pomeranian or yeah, she looks like a Pomeranian. And Holly calls downstairs and says, and says, um, can you get Harlow out? She kind of, she got out of the guest house or whatever, blah, blah, blah. And so as the butler's trying to get Harlow, Harlow looks up and is like, uh, uh, you're not getting me and is running. And, and Holly's yelling out the window, Harlow, it's mommy. I'm up here. Come to the door, Harlow. Come on. How you get to me is through the door, Harlow. It's, it was, I'm not doing it justice, but it was very funny to me. It was just like a, a little goofy moment. And this show does really well at that. And giving us those little moments that you're like, oh, this girl's funny. This girl's this. Um, I mean, Playboy's a pornography brand. <laughs> Playboy's a pornography brand. And the fact is we're on E and this is a family friendly show. It's, they were able to spin this and, and Hef's brand of hedonism into like, Hey, we're just all hanging out and it's fun. And, you know, props to your mama. I mean, and I'm not just talking to the girls. I'm talking to production. I'm talking to editing. I'm talking to the marketing people. The fact that they were able to create this family friendly show from a porn brand and a man luring young women into, to become his, uh, paid sex workers were, I mean, awesome. Um, Holly says so what Holly says when she goes, when she wakes up, she takes the dogs out and then she goes to Mary's office and has her breakfast and hangs out with Mary. Mary is half secretary, I believe. And I think secretary's like, if that's her title, it's, it's like a small title for her big role. Um, Mary does like all kinds of things around there and she's a confidant. She's been, I think she's been working the longest with half, like since Chicago, maybe, maybe. Um, and she is, she becomes a confidant. Like she's Hef's oldest confidant, but she becomes a confidant to the girls. Um, in fact, when Holly was feeling incredibly depressed, but just, which is believable. What, I mean, like I said, Holly does a lot of things where she tells us that she doesn't know how things got the way they are. And she's not a reliable narrator, but I do believe this part is that being in the house with seven women that are all vying for attention. And there's a lot of undercutting and lying and, You've got this man that really enjoys the drama of you guys fighting over him and sort of being like daddy and stuff. And like one time have screamed, I don't know. Um, Holly ends up doing a lot of, she's number one girl. She ends up doing a lot of stuff with Playboy and with the house and stuff. And some, when playmates come to town or shooting pictorials or are in town and they stay at the house across the street, they, Holly like hosts them and does things with them. And like, she's kind of like head sorority girl and something happened. A girl was trying to, they like some girls were arguing. So Holly put a girl one place and a half was like, you don't decide. Daddy decides. <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine some 80 year old man yelling in your face? Daddy decides. <laughs> this is why I couldn't do this. I couldn't do this one because I'm not a hot young blonde and never have been, can never be, but also because I could not fix my face to let that old man yell at me. I just couldn't do it. 
But um, Holly was very depressed during that time. Like she was felt like she was getting shitted on a lot by Hef, by the other girls and everything. And she talks to, she, she tells Hef she wants to go to therapy. She feels depressed. And Hef's like, you can't go to therapy. They'll just tell you to leave me. <laughs> like right there. I feel like, I feel like emotional abusers are, have a little more tact or a little just more deft about it. You know, they just like, don't go to therapy. Therapy's bullshit. It costs too much. They, they say things, but half just comes right out and goes, don't tell go to therapy. They'll tell you to leave me. <laughs> so she can't go to therapy. Remember, she doesn't have health insurance or anything. She's just at the mansion. She doesn't have health insurance. She doesn't have access to anything. And so he takes her to, he gives her an appointment with a doctor who puts her on like antidepressants. Like she goes to the psychiatrist one time he puts on her antidepressants. I'm not saying that doesn't happen at all. It's, I mean, the doctors that does what, like only goes with your information and stuff. And antidepressants aren't like fucking, I don't know. It's not like, you know, controlled substances. Although maybe some of them are. So I'm not saying it's impossible to go to a psychiatrist and the first time in him and you like have a 10 minute conversation and they're like, I think it's antidepressants. I'm writing you a script. But I am saying that the way Holly described it, this doctor was just like on the Playboy payroll and was just told to prescribe her some medicine and, and did. So she was on antidepressants for a while. And Hef told her instead of going to a therapist, she needs to go and talk to Mary. <laughs> Tell Mary your problems. She gives good advice. <laughs> but um, Mary is someone the girls really looked up to. She, even though her loyalties definitely lie with Hef, over the years she would be, I don't know, she'd be a good friend and confidant to the girls. And even after Holly left Hef, she would stay at Mary's house sometimes in LA. And, you know, she's... Mary being on this show was like such a juxtaposition from all these young bottle blonde girls running through the house and everything. And then here's this elderly woman. She's married. She's been, at, she's got her office at the Playboy Mansion for years and years and years and years and years. And she's obviously a, a very uplifted woman person in this, in this organization and very highly prized person. And here she is. All the other women around her are prized for how beautiful they are, how sexy they are, how much they fit into Hughes uh, Hefner's aesthetic. And here she is, someone who wouldn't fit any of those things. And she's probably the person that's been there the longest and she's the person that's going to be there after you're gone. And she's the person Hef comes to to talk about his problems and, and he relies on. And that's really, really interesting about... Like he thinks of... He honestly thinks of the girlfriends as tissues. Like he, he uses them and throws them in the trash and not literally. And maybe he doesn't even think like, I'm throwing this one away, but that's what it is. He's like on to the next one. They're just a dime a dozen. You can get a couple more out the box whenever you're ready. And here it is. Mary is over here, his bottom bitch <laughs> in a lot of ways. Um, it's just interesting to me. They talk a lot about what they've been called, um, bimbo, slut, gold digger. Like I said, I just do not subscribe to any of those things. Like if Hef can't be those things, then they can't be those either. Um, he wants them for a reason. 
have sleeping with with many many women throughout the year like every tom dick and harry that comes to every jane betsy and veronica that comes to the house half is sleeping with he once said that he slept with 11 out of the 12 months of playmates he once said that i don't know how true that is um he really did like to exaggerate he loved to be close to celebrity he loved the idea he loved publicity in any kind of way and that might not be true, but I, I it, it also could not be true. You know, I, it also, it might not be true, but it, could, it also might not not be true. You know, like, I just don't, like, subscribe to the idea that these women are these things, but Hef is not. Whatever they are, he is too. Um, Bridget talks about, so by this point, the girls no longer say we don't have sex with him. That used to be the party line. Like people would go on the ex-girlfriends would go on Howard Stern and be like, no, we never had sex with him. No, we never had sex with him. But by now they are no longer saying that because it's not true. It's not true. And also, I, I mean, I think it's just, I think it's just a different crop of girls. And this brings in a new era of things for play for, um, half and the girls. And Bridget says, people ask her all the time, does she sleep with him? And she says, I, we do everything a normal boyfriend and girlfriend do. Um, in fact, when they started this show, they really, really wanted them. They really wanted to follow the girls up to Hef's room after the club nights. And the girls kind of, I mean, they're not friends, by the way. They're, Bridget and Holly are friends, but they're not friends with Kendra. Kendra is different than they are. Holly says Kendra was pushy. Kendra was like, she admires that Kendra was able to ask for things. Like she'd be like, I need a new car. I need this. I need that. Um, you know, and Hef would do it. And, and she and Bridget didn't feel that they could do those types of things. Again, they came from the seven girl household where things were very different. Um, Holly had been there back when there was another head girl. And after she left, they really cut back on allowances on, um, accounts where you get your hair and makeup done. They, 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 I, she said one accountant told her that, uh, not account, like an admin person, like in accounting or whatever was like, you need to cut down on these clothing allowances. All the water running around here is in string anyway. <laughs> um, so they really cut back on those types of things. And Holly and Bridget were like scared to ask for certain things that, Kendra just wasn't. Kendra doesn't have a lot of tact to her, to be honest. And that's good. That's good for reality TV. And that, that's also good for life. I've found, and I'm, I've, I haven't forgotten it, but I haven't really been practicing in the last couple of years, that you can ask anybody for anything. Just keep asking. And they will give it to you. Like, people hate to say no. I, I used to really take advantage of the fact that people hate saying no. And so if you just ask for it, people usually give it to you. Usually, um, it's a very rare occurrence. I, I mean, and then if they won't give it to you, ask someone else <laughs> and they'll probably give it to you. Like people really hate to say no, but, um, what was I saying? Oh, so I think Kendra is, it's part like that. She doesn't have a lot of like, I mean, Kendra's feral in a lot of ways, but also that, um, she's just used to asking for things and seeing what happens. There's like no shame in that. And I think Holly and Bridget are a little bit like a little more shameful about things. 
So they're going to the AFI ceremony to honor George Lucas. I'm, I'm going to confess. I know who George Lucas is. I don't know what that ceremony is. And they said they've been there in the past for other people and they're really excited. Um, they're getting all their, oh, I forgot to say this. Holly talks a lot about wanting to get married. Okay. She talks about wanting to get married and have kids with Hef. And she talks about like in the next five years, where does she see herself? She sees herself alone with Hef. And not like alone in the mansion because she likes people and she still wants, what she's talking about is the visiting playmates and things like that. And she's probably also not so subtly saying like, we'll still have threesomes. We'll still have lots of girls having sex because that's what he wants. But I expect that there's only going to be me. And she says he needs to get rid of the extra girls. Now, Holly says, this is an editing thing, that by the time she'd gotten here, she was very depressed. She'd been through a lot of stuff with Hef and she really tried to convince herself that she was absolutely in love with him and this was the best relationship she'd ever had and that she was so lucky. And she just really had to lean into it because if you didn't lean into it, then what the fuck are you doing? You're not allowed to go anywhere. You're not allowed to, to audition for anything. You're not allowed, like being seen talking to another man at these clubs he makes you go to is like the worst thing ever. Yet you have to pretend to have sex with like many women. And actually Kendra's bisexual, bisexual. She has had, um, girlfriends in the past. And she said that when they went up to the rooms and stuff, it was actually very, sometimes she like a hot new girl would be there and she'd like kiss her and make out with her and do things. And she always had a lot of fun. Um, that's Kendra's story. And so she just felt like if Holly just felt like if I'm not deeply in love with him, then I'm an idiot. So I must be deeply in love with him. It was like one of those things where you kind of talk yourself into it. Um, I've been there. I think we've all been there where we've been in some relationship that we're like, Ugh, why am I here? And you just have to, and you just talk yourself up. And you're like, cause I'm in love. <laughs> even though I don't believe in unconditional love, I still have been places where I've like, no, 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 I really want this. That's why this hurts so bad. <laughs> so, but Holly says that all, she just felt like if she did get married and have kids with Hef, then it would explain, like it would be like a happy little bow to the end of this. So yeah, they're going to the ceremony. Everyone's getting their hair done. Um, they used to have an account somewhere. I forget the name of the guy. It's a famous guy. It might be that guy that they're like kissing and whatnot. All of this. Um, again, you can tell Kendra's had her nose done. Her nose looks completely different than those pictures they showed and video they showed of her at the Midsummer Night Stream. Um, Holly is getting Princess Leia buns because of George Lucas. And Hef was... She talks about a little conversation she has with Hef where he's just like, they can do that with your hair because it's extensions. And also he thinks it's going to be ugly because Hef likes what he likes and he does not want anything different. And the fact that she actually went and got it is like a big deal because he can be incredibly angry when he's not, when you're not, you don't look the way he wants you to look. Um, Kendra's late. Kendra would say this is editing. This, she said that like they would film her for hours and hours every day and then boil it down to the one time she said something stupid and use that. And 
they make it look like she lost things, that she was late places, and because that fit with the story they were trying to tell. They, they wanted her to be ditzy. Like, in terms of smartness, only Bridget was allowed to be smart. In terms of sporty, only Kendra was allowed to be sporty. In terms of in love with Hef, only Holly was allowed to be in love with Hef. And I mean, they really just boiled them down to Spice Girls and was like, that's what you are. And don't try to be anything else. But, you know, all the girls, the, the way it's set up, all the girls. And so because Hef's going out, he's got extra girls with him. They're playmates. They're girls who hang around the house. They're just beautiful girls. Um, so Bridget and Holly, Hef, and all the other girls are waiting for Kendra. And we just see, like, footage of her being late at the salon. I mean, also, like they're putting all these curls in her hair. I mean, that's probably why she's late. And then she has to come home and put on a dress. And um, they just keep showing us footage of her, like cutting a tag off a dress, putting on a, putting on um, shoes and dogs are barking and stuff. And while everyone's sitting around, um, Holly says that Kendra needs a secretary. <laughs> she says that she needs someone that can help her figure out where to be, what time she's supposed to be there, what time she's supposed to leave, what she needs. Um, I think that she is basically saying Ken, Ken, uh, Kendra's a kid, and she is. Like, she's somebody's kid. That's why she can't get anywhere on time. Um, she says that Hef will get grumpy with her because of Kendra, and she'll be like, I did tell her what time, and remember, she's the main girl, and there's an expectation that she will keep the other girls in line, tell them the rules. And like, make sure they're here on time. Like she's like the, the president of the sorority and from the girls, not particularly these girls, but when there were more girls, there's an expectation that she would, um, talk to Hef for her and for them and like get the more allowance and get extra time out. I mean, she, Holly tells the story in her book, how there were some girls that were there that were doing things like, like, so if you were a girlfriend, you could get, a, you could you could get like some people on the list to get in the parties. They were selling tickets to get on the party. There was one girl who like Playboy doesn't want to be associated with like prostitution, which is why they shouldn't be associated with Hugh Hefner, but fine, 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 fine. They don't want to be associated with like prostitution. And like a couple, one of the girls was like going on these Dubai trips. <laughs> Like that's something she would do. And I mean, not that they let her out, but that's like, she, she was doing prostitution on, on like long range trips and stuff. And she would get the other girls and, and like, like this was all fucking going on before they paired down to these three girls. So like half would expect the main girl to kind of like, He'd be like, why is Kendra late? You didn't tell her. Da, 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 da. Kendra's running a prostitution ring in my house and it's your fault. And, and like, I mean, Holly got a lot of flack for that. You can tell she's annoyed with Kendra. Her and Kendra aren't friends. They got closer over the years and then they had a big falling out. And I'm just going to say this. Kendra didn't write a lot about Holly in her book, but afterwards... Because Kendra's book came out before Holly's book came out. So Holly's book didn't come out until after she was about ready to leave Vegas when she was done doing the peep show. Um, that's her first book didn't come out until after she was leaving Vegas. And 
she says that she just didn't want to do it because she was working with Playboy and also because she didn't want to kiss and tell. And also she, she just knew that to tell the truth about what happened would piss a lot of people off. So by the time Holly writes her first book, her and Kendra are at it. They're like, they're enemies at this point. And so by the time, so <laughs> I'm sorry, it's late. I'm, I'm starting to, I'm starting to uh, babble. I'm starting to lose my place, but we're almost done. So don't worry. So Kendra book comes out. It's very, she doesn't really talk a lot of shit about Holly and Bridget. By the time Holly's book comes out, she and Brit, she and Holly are at war and Holly includes like basically towards the end, she explains why she and Kendra don't get along. And it's just stuff to do with show shit and and the fact that Kendra's younger than her and like always like was super rude and and like the laugh was fake and like shit like that. So by the time that comes out, and remember Kendra's had a show all this time. Kendra's one of those people that we know about, but we kind of don't know what they do. Like she's somehow managed to stay on reality TV for years and years and years. Her and Tori Spelling have a lot in common. Um, so by the time the next season of Kendra on top comes out, I believe it's either close to, or the season where Hank has cheated on her with a transgender woman. Um, I don't know why I need to say transgender woman. I actually, I do. Let me take that back. Like, I just want to say woman, but I need to say transgender woman because it's a huge plot to the storyline. A huge plot that Kendra believes that Hank is gay. Like they do a reality, they have a family together and they do a reality show, a season where they talk about the fact that Hank has cheated on her with a trans woman and that Kendra believes he has a fetish and is gay and has been lying to her all the time. Yes. and. The language in the episodes is, uh, the, <laughs> it is gross. And what it is, is I feel like, you know, trans women and men are being killed every day in this country for just being who they are. Um, so it's not like, sure, we've come a long way, but we ain't come that fucking far, guys. Um, every, every I feel like almost every day there's another um, hate crime of a trans woman being killed. Um, there's another instance of some famous person trying to convince us that that trans women hurt women. They take an opportunity that they're that they're men just trying to get the rights of women. And that's there's like that's that shit's still fucking happening. Um, even in the LGBTQIA, there's a lot of fucking letters. Even in that community, there's a lot of people who just don't consider trans women women or trans men men or trans non-binary people anything. They, they just don't. And so, like, I'm not saying that we're like, we've come so far and we don't, like, that's not true. But I will say... That season of Kendra on Top came out maybe two years too late. 
You know what I mean? Like, if it had come out two years earlier, we wouldn't, I mean, what they were saying was still disgusting, but I don't think, like, when I was watching, I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe she is saying this. And I'm not the most woke person on earth. So, but if it had come out two years earlier, I don't know if I would have been, I don't know if it would have hit me like it did. I was just like, this is gross. And, you know, maybe I should do a bonus episode. Like, since we're only going to have eight episodes of um, Girls Next Door, maybe I should do a bonus episode where I recap um, one of those explosive episodes from that season. But anyway, so by the time... I'm off track. By the time Holly's books come out and Kendra has read it and she is really mad at Holly now. She was kind of mad at Holly before the show's coming on. And I don't know if it's that season or if it's the season before. But she says, I don't know if it's on the show or on an interview or something, but I think she says it on the show. She says that Holly is just mad because she was the cleanup girl. And what she means is that after Hef would have sex with all those women, Holly would have to lick him and clean him up. Yes, that's disgusting. It's this. I'm not saying the act is disgusting. I mean, I don't want to yuck your yum here. If that's what you're into, that's your kink, you do it. But what Kendra is implying is that Holly would have to like go down on him to get him hard he would then have sex with all the girls and then it was Holly's job to like, (laughs) I don't even want to fucking say it. You guys are like, princess, I'm unsubscribing, but she's saying that it was Holly's job to lick up the remnants of the sex from, from F. She said that on we TV, whatever she was on. <laughs> we fucking TV. <laughs> so, so like, this is not what We TV thought it was gonna be. <laughs> so that's what she says about Holly and Holly, and then in later seasons. Holly's doing like a book signing or something and they film Kendra going to like fuck Holly up <laughs> the mall <laughs> you know it's a wee tv show so I mean uh, it's questionable what was actually happening <laughs> I mean they may put they may put that royalty free intense music behind it or whatever but it's questionable what's happening and later Holly tweeted was like I was not at that mall <laughs> She was not, and she, she's not the mall either. And there's no way she was about to go in and beat me up. There's just no way. Anyway, but at this time, um, that we're watching Holly and Kendra aren't friends. Not like that. They're just, they're coworkers and you know, they're not bad. Like Holly says that they liked Kendra. Like they were, they were hoping like he, they were hoping to get, cause remember it's, at this point, he's still doing the seven number, but there's a slot open. And there are a couple of girls they liked, but I mean, this is what you had to do at the time. You had to kind of push the girl you liked in front of half and trying to campaign for her and everything. Cause you wanted a friend. Like you're going all, you're going in this limo all the time. You're hanging around the house all the fucking time. You want a friend. So, um, 
like girls had been hanging out with their friends with, they were like trying to push and stuff. And there were like three candidates and, um, one of them wouldn't decline to sleep with half. And Holly was like, well, I knew that one was over. And the other one, I don't, I don't, I think she just looked wildly different. And when she says wildly different, like she had strawberry blonde hair. <laughs> Like just like the other ones if she has strawberry blonde hair. <laughs> and so it ends up being Kendra. And Holly actually, Holly says that she and Bridget actually like Kendra and that she wanted them there. Kendra says that they were really jealous of her. And I think two, two things can be true at the same time. She says that when she moved in, Bridget was like, what? You're getting room number two. Room number two is the biggest room besides the master bedroom. You're getting room number two. I was going to use that for my scrapbooking room. And I don't know how true that is if Bridget said that or if she did, if it was a joke, because as we just established, it cost $12,000 to rent that room. And I don't know that Hef was going to rent it for her for scrapbooking. So Kendra wanted the biggest room and she got it. And so, I mean, that, that's what happened. Um, so when Kendra shows up, Holly gives her a dirty look. Holly says that on the show, they caught, she, she, watching this show, she realized how awkward her face is. Holly thinks she's an awkward girl. Holly thinks she's like an outcast. She says, I'm the one that wore a vintage, um, a vintage dress to prom and hemmed it with a cigarette lighter and dyed my hair different colors. I was the one who got kicked off the cheerleading team for having purple hair and, I find that people remember high school very differently than what they actually went to. Most people do, um, at least a little. And that often in high school, you know, popularity reigns. Um, and even with teachers and shit, because um, like your gym teacher was likely an athletic person attached to popularity and sees themselves in popular kids. Like it's <sighs> popularity is a thing. And I find that popular people who had a good time in high school do not remember that when they leave high school, they cast themselves as an outcast that was just trying to get along. But what they don't realize is that everyone feels like an outcast. Everyone feels like they're out of place because you're in high school and you're a teenager and you have all these hormones and you're growing and you're strangely an adult, but not an adult really. And so it feels like you're like, you magnify those feelings of feeling like an outcast because everyone feels like an outcast and out of step with everyone else. But what you don't remember is that you were also an incredibly popular person they got their way and, and that certainly belonged in a way that other people didn't. And that you certainly use that privilege of belonging against other people. You don't remember that shit. It's why famous people always are posting screenshots of people messaging them on Facebook and being like, Hey girl, how's it going? Man, we shouldn't have called you mean names, but whatever. So anyway, so like we're best friends, like, cause People don't remember high school as accurately as they think they do. And popular people, it's not cool to be 30 and be talking about how popular you are in high school. So most people don't do that. But if we were to go back in time, we could see 
that you are not the outcast you think you are. Um, and I think Holly thinks of herself as a super awkward girl who never fit in anywhere and has a funny laugh and fell in love with Marilyn Monroe as a young kid. She got Marilyn Monroe um, paper dolls as a kid and um, like that signal that she was going to fall in love with someone who's obsessed with Marilyn Monroe. Monroe. Um, like she thinks that that she, like she has this idea of herself that it is not true. There's no way. I don't know. I'm just, it's, it's not possible. It, like Holly, I don't know. She thinks of herself as a dork. And maybe I'm wrong. I've been wrong before. I might be wrong again. It's sure to happen again. But I just don't. I just, I think she doesn't accurately remember high school because the popular people who, like, I was well known in high school because I was around a lot and I was in a lot of shit and I'm mouthy. But I was not a popular person. I mean, people knew who I was, but no one was like, we aspire to be like that one. I got teased a lot. Um, I got bullied sometimes. And girl, sometimes I was a bully too. But um, I had a pretty fine high school experience. I didn't want to come home and kill myself. And I, but um, I didn't feel like I exactly perfectly belonged, but I, you know, some places I did. And there were definitely popular kids at my school. And I often find that if you're someone who says there were no popular kids at your school, you were a popular kid. I, that's just been my experience. It just has been. If you didn't think there were any popular kids at your school, you were the popular one. It's like when you get on drag race and you go, there's no fat girls this year. You're the fat one, girl. That's why. Um, and so a lot of those people who I was like connected with on Facebook and social media, they do not think that they were popular, even though I clearly remember that they were. Even though like I can pull out a yearbook right now saying that you were fucking homecoming queen and best dressed and like we had superlatives that were most popular. There you are. What do you mean you weren't popular? What are you talking about? There was a girl who was pregnant her senior year of high school that was like one of our most popular girls. And she decided to keep the baby because, and um, they did not want to put her in the yearbook as like best dressed and most popular and shit like that because she, because she was pregnant and they ended up doing it anyway. And I have been on Facebook with this girl talking about how she was bullied and how in high school and how she uh, just barely got through because she didn't want to go to school because it was just so hard. She didn't feel like she fit in anywhere. Now, she did end up pregnant the senior, the end of senior year, so I'm not saying she didn't have a hard time. But the idea that she thinks that her high school experience is one thing, and it wasn't. I'm babbling right now. It's late. I'm, I'm, I need to wrap this up. It's two hours in. I'm just saying I don't believe Holly. I don't believe her. I might believe Bridget. I don't believe Holly. Um, so there's... And oh wait, so the reason I got onto that is because Holly says that when she started the show, she didn't think about her her face, and she like watching the show, she was like, I didn't know I made those awkward faces. 
I didn't know that I looked so old. I didn't know that like, like they always caught me like looking and looking crazy. And this is an example of Kendra gets in there. She's all dressed up and then they cut the Holly and she's like side eyeing her. Um, so there's a, like I said, there's a 9 PM curfew and you can't go out and we have skin ready for his pajamas with his 9 PM curfew. And Holly's already in the bed and I'm sure Bridget's in her room with her cat studying and shit. She was studying at the hair salon. She didn't have a lot of time to study. And Kendra wants to watch a movie with a playmate. She's on the phone with the playmate and they probably, they might be in the house, but they're probably across the street. And so she has to go to Hef's room and ask Hef if he, she can watch a movie downstairs after 9 p.m. Because Hef's her dad. <laughs> the way she knocked on that door is the way I would knock on my parents' door as a high schooler and be like, um, can I do blah, 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 <laughs> And they'd be like, eh, if you're quiet, oh, if you're back, it's so-and-so. Um, I forget what she's going to watch. Uh, Napoleon Dynamite, that's what she's going to watch. And he's looking for the tape for her and she can't find it and they're figuring it out. But there's a reason Kendra talks lovingly about half is because he raised her he did um i've already talked about power dynamics well i mean we're gonna be talking about power dynamics this whole fucking series so buckle in <laughs> um so like i said holly i i suppose they asked them what's gonna happen next and so they got some sound bites from holly basically talking about how she wants to get married and have kids i mean just in her book, she talks about how delirious that was, how like delusional she was, that she was going to have a baby with an 80 year old man. Like, <laughs> like that's normal. <laughs> and, and, but like I said, she, she had convinced herself to be in a certain place because that's what she felt she had to do. And Kendra says she'll never leave and left half kicks her out. And that's not true either. Um, we'll get into how Kendra leaves the mansion. But that's the end of episode one. I th I told you I had a lot to say about this. I spent two hours talking about it. Um, next week, I'm going to do two episodes. And I'm going to try to have some people on. I want to have people from different podcasts on. And I just want to get my schedule together. But I think you guys deserve it. And I need to, like, you know, put in an effort. So that's it, guys. Um, check out the Patreon. There are, there are bonus episodes up that you can listen to right now. And I'll see you guys next week. Bye.